and Sarah. Cool. Well, as Katie comes, I think she's filling up her water bottle. Yeah, we just want to thank you guys for staying, um, for just having a heart that wants to learn more, and we're going to be gra- we're grateful for your questions that you have. And so, yes, on the stage we have Christopher Mancius. Yeah. We have Sean McEntee. And Katie Sombrio will be joining us on this stage as well. And so I know, I just wanted to start off by saying, um, yeah, I know that you guys, um, you know, you've gotten to hear from all of us at some point. Um, we, we love you guys. And so I just wanted to just, like, just honor these guys. Um, as you just have your questions, just, like, keep in mind, like, the answers that they have for you, like, they just, they aren't just, like, opinions, you know. They aren't just things that... They wish were true. Like, these guys have learned, they have studied, they have experiences that have been brought back to scriptures, and so what they're giving you is that, okay? And so I just, I trust them. They are people of integrity and honesty, and so, yeah, I'm just really, we're just really grateful that they're up here and they're speaking um, and sharing with you guys tonight. And so the way this is going to work is I am the moderator, I suppose, and um, if you have a question, um, just raise your hand, and I will be bringing the mic to you. And so um, we, it would be really helpful. This is going to be recorded, and so I need you to hold the mic up here. Not down here, because no one else can hear you. I need you to hold the mic up here, and we just want to limit, uh, at least for now, just one question per person um, so that as many people can ask their questions as they need to. And so um, just give me one second. That's fine. All right. And so um, we'll just go ahead and start off with the first person that has a question. Who would like to start us off tonight? Not Maxwell. I know, I thought it was Maxwell. All right. If you could stand up. Hey, guys. Nice to, nice to see all of you here today wanting some questions. And I want a question also answered maybe we'll see yeah so my question was which is the same thing I sent to you in the thing was uh you know you you see um you know in the bible it talks about all of them operating um in the holy spirit and even you see in corinthians it talks about you know them focusing too much on that but in, in in the early church records you know most everyone was baptized in the holy spirit and operating in the gifts but in a lot of churches today, like, you don't see that. Like, what happened over the years that made that, you know, made that transition? And uh, why exactly, like, do people have, yeah, I mean, you can't really, probably can't answer this, but, like, the stigma. Like, where did where did the negative stigma come from, if you have any insight on that? Or? Uh, so, for some history, um, for some history on this, uh, so if you were to go look at some church history on the baptism of the, oh, they may be locked if someone wants to open the door for them. Oh, never mind, they got it. Uh, sweet. So, looking at a little bit of history, uh, church history, uh, for the first about 400 years, the baptism of the Holy Spirit wasn't actually that foreign of an idea, um, and really, it's very interesting, if you go and look where the idea started to drop off, was, the, was where the Dark Ages 
started to begin and where the idea started to get picked up again was when the Dark Ages ended. Um, and so, if you know anything about the beginning of the Dark Ages and the end of it, the beginning was right around the time when Christianity became, um, or was when Constantine said, hey, this is going to be the religion of Rome. We're, f- we're making it a national religion. It's no longer something that, you know, it's a volitional choice. It's like this is something that it's a government institute institutionalized thing, right? Uh, And then in around 1500, Martin Luther said, hey, look, uh, Roman Catholic Church, we don't want anything to do with what you guys got. We're we're taking back kind of Christianity for our own. Um, And so there's a lot of people that started coming back, this resurgence of the idea of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't huge, but in church history, you start to see that come up again, and then especially in the 1800s, you start to see a bunch of people. Uh, the Booths uh, with the Salvation Army, Charles Finney, the Wesleys, um, a bunch of people, huge monumental people uh, in the church, 17, 1800s, who start bringing this idea back. But especially, uh, so it's really cool, when Kyle Volkmer was here last semester, uh, was talking about wh- with him um, he actually was talking about he believes, and, and I was, even as I was looking into this, um, the, the thing where, um, with, with to your question, where the Holy Spirit started to take, to disappear, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, why it started to become foreign, um, and why it's still, even today, foreign, is especially in that time, 400 ADs or so, was that idea of the laying on of hands stopped. Right? There's something so special about this imparting right? That, that it's biblical to lay on hands. And that idea stopped when Christianity became governmental. Right? That this is, what we, this is just part of what you do. Right? And so when that happened, right, the laying on of hands stopped. And, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit became less a thing that was to be desired and just something that you did. Um, and then it started to become just forgotten. And so, also, I will just say this real quickly. I grew up Catholic, as I mentioned. Um, if you know anything about Catholicism, it's very traditional, but all the tradition is based in something that was really cool. And so, confirmation, originally, if, you've ever, if you know anything about it, was when you were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so they would, they would put oil on your head. So when I got oil put on my head, I forgot to wipe it off, and I got a bunch of pimples on my head, and it was really bad. Uh, but <laughs> not in the shape of a cross, just a big blob of pimples. But it was originally when you got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And now it's just when you become an adult Christian. That's all it is. When you're 17, you get confirmed. But its original purpose was when you got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that was way back, way, 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 way back. And the early stages of the Catholic Church, but that got lost over time. Um, and so just with, with the way history happens, we forget what things are originally about. And so we just got to go look back um, and see. It's, it's often really good to see what something was originally about. So we go back to the original intent, the original what was this, who, what was this intended for, what was this about. And so even tonight, what did Jesus intend by this? Um, and we start there and then move forward. Um, so never look at an abuse or, or a mistaken view, but start with what was intended. So I just say that.
So Katie knows I like to talk about everything. Um, but uh, hey, I'm Christopher. Uh, I feel really weird sitting on this high chair up above all of you. Uh, it's kind of weird. Um, but uh, this is no in no way historical or theological. It's just like if you think of um, in like other things. So uh, a lot of you guys, um, including myself, actually a lot of us, um, before we came to college and got involved with Chi Alpha, um, if you grew up in a church, going to a church, um, you may not have had a small group in church, right? Um, but we believe and we teach and we believe that it's in the Bible. And what Jesus wanted was that small group discipleship is how the gospel is spread, right? So why don't we see that in churches um, or mission trips? A lot of you guys are going on one. You've been on one before with us. You may not have gone to a church. Um, if you grew up in a church, uh, where they did mission trips. So why is that? Um, did they give to missions? And so I think just when you don't give attention to something, um, it's natural to just forget about it. Um, and so I think maybe a lot of people just didn't give the attention to the baptism of the Holy Spirit that it deserves um, and that, that the Bible puts weight behind. Um, and so in the same way, why don't all churches have small groups or why don't all churches take mission trips or give to missions? Um, it's if you don't give attention to something, it's probably not going to be a part of your community. Um, and so it's not just the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I guess, is what I'm saying that people have strayed away from. But that's kind of a more broad. If you don't put weight behind it, what's in the Bible, it's probably not going to be in your community. Um, and then my experience growing up, I grew up in a Presbyterian church. The Holy Spirit was kind of what Sean said. I believe in God, the Father Almighty. Um, that was not. Anyways, that's at the end of it. Uh, I forgot it, obviously, because I'm. <laughs> anyways. Um, but yeah, so uh, I didn't know anything about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, really, except what was in the Bible. Um, didn't know it like people had it today or it was an experience that um, you could have today or that, you know, all the miracles and the gifts and that it mentions in the Bible was for today until I got to college. Um, and then all the scriptures that I had learned and read and heard um, just reading my Bible or whatever when I was in high school. Um, I believe the Holy Spirit brought those things to attention when I started to learn um, about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and then ended up getting baptized in the Holy Spirit myself. Um, so I didn't, all this stuff that we're sharing today, none of us started here. So it is yeah. a process too. Hello. We made a rule that no more than two of us would talk in here. I'm going to break it. Um, it's just really simple. I just felt like this needed to be said. Um, we have an adversary, and uh, there are, like, obviously, like, practical reasons why. Um, this isn't a big deal today, but I, I really think, um, yeah, the truth is that uh, Sean said it so well. He said we have a supernatural task that requires supernatural power. And um, I don't know if you can, but I can think of, um, someone who would not want the kingdom of God to be built, right? And so if there's anything that the enemy's going to attack, um, it's going to be this. And so I think um, I think that that's a big reason why, too, with all of these things, discipleship, like Christopher said, um, the enemy does not want the church to succeed, right? He does not want us to succeed. And so I'm not, you know, trying to 
say there's a uh, like a demon under every rock. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that we do have an adversary who's very much against us. Um, and so I think it makes sense. The dark ages, all of these things, um, yeah, we, we've been fought against. Uh, the church of God has. And so, yeah, just keep that in mind. Um, I think that shows us that this is a pretty big deal. It's important, right? If it's something that's in the Bible that Jesus, like, commanded us to do and, and told us about and, and said was really important, then we need to take it as important no matter, like, what the world says or even sometimes what the church says. Um, we, need to, we need to, like, listen to what Jesus says. So that's all. We, we can take the next question. Hey, what's up? Oh, I hate the sound of my voice. It's so weird. Oh, no. But yeah, my question was, what's a cool thing that the Holy Spirit's taught you like in the past week? I mean, this one's like, I kind of said it in my sermon, this one was tough. I I mean, just just like bowing in obedience to the Lordship of Christ, like I, I said it was kind of funny and tough, but like when you write for an hour and then delete, and then you write for an hour and you delete, and then you write for an hour and you're like, all right, I guess I have to do this, like... <laughs> You know, it's like, but but in reality, like, the best place to be. It's funny because I was thinking about it today in the elevator, and I was like, when you submit to the lordship of Jesus, there's more freedom in that than anywhere else. When you submit to the lordship of Jesus, there's more joy. Like, you're, you're literally bowing, and you have more freedom, and you're bowing, and you have more joy. And I don't know, that's just, that was just so cool. Like, that doesn't make sense anywhere else, but in the kingdom of God it does. When you bow, you have freedom. When you bow, you have joy. And so, I mean, even today, the Holy Spirit was speaking that to me as I wrote my sermon, just in general. Like, when you bow, you have freedom. When you bow, you have joy. And so, even with the Holy Spirit, when you bow, He gives. And so... So. Um, uh, story of my life. Um, just kidding. <laughs> I love you. This guy's basically like my brother. Um, I love him. Uh, yeah, so I think um, the first thing that came to mind is, that, you know, that scripture um, in John where it says, you know, the Holy Spirit guides us into all truth. And I think um, the, that the Holy Spirit's been doing that for me. Um, especially in these past few months, um, it's been pretty, it's been pretty hard. And, uh, but I feel like God has just kept like scripture in front of me, um, just things to like cling to. And it's been like, uh, it's just like rooted me, you know, like in times of need, like the Lord really has just given me like truth. Um, and so I think, I think it's, yeah, just, it's been especially evident to me in this season that that's that's like what the Holy Spirit does is He guides us into truth and how grateful I am for that, um, and uh, yeah, just I've been been like chewing on this Psalm like all week, um, just in the midst of some things we've had to deal with, and um, 
and it's it's just grounded me, you know. Um, and he's been reminding me what's true, and and I love that about the Holy Spirit. And that's what I've been. That's what he's been teaching me recently. Hi guys. Hello. <laughs> uh, so I was talking to Charles about this after you spoke, and you said one of the things was that um, the baptism gives power. Okay, I have sort of two questions. What do you think comes with the power? So like different aspects of the power. So just elaborate on the power. And um, I don't even remember what my other question was. But yeah, so do you think it comes with other aspects, like elaborate on the power and what they are? Yeah, um, so I think when I was thinking about this, I'm really grateful for that question. Uh, so one of the coolest things, when you think about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, I like to think about Mary, Jesus' mom. And so, y'all, she gave birth to Jesus. She was his mom. Y'all, everyone has a mom, right? Oh, hi, Mary. Yeah. <laughs> Not that Mary. <laughs> Mary gave birth to Jesus. She raised him. The Bible says he suckled at her breast. All these things, right? Like, there was no person that was closer probably, than to Jesus than his mom, right? And in the day, it says that she was there at Pentecost in the upper room, and then the day that she was baptized in the Holy Spirit, she was closer to her son than she had ever been. And there was a power that had come in that intimacy and that unity with her son that she had never had before. And she would have never had without that moment. There was a power that came from that intimacy and unity that was able to send her out, and the world couldn't shake it. And so it was cool because Gamaliel, he was a uh, Pharisee, he said about the disciples, he said, look, if this is of human origin, they're going to fail. But if this is of God, you can't stop it. You can't. And y'all, it was of God, right? There was literally nothing that could stop these people because God himself was in them in a way that he had never been before. And, and, and so that is the power that I'm speaking of. And now, yes, there's the aspect of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, right? So there's the gifts, there's words of wisdom, words of knowledge, words of prophecy, speaking in tongues, interpreting tongues, right? Then there's, there's things like miracles, faith, uh, healing, and then there's something else that I'm forgetting. Discernment of spirits, right? There's nine gifts. Plus, there's a whole slew of other gifts, like administration, preaching, uh, pastor, boldness, te- you know, all these different things that the Spirit gives that, that to, to go and actually do what He wants us to do, right? To go and reach the loss of the world. But that initial power... Right, so, that, so when we get saved, the Holy Spirit seals himself on us. He comes and dwells in us. He reveals Jesus to us. But that baptism in the Holy Spirit, Jesus comes, and, and there's a deepening. And so I, one of my favorite is uh, 
Um, Charles Finney, when he got baptized in the Holy Spirit, he talks about how he was walking down the street and he was just like, I mean, there was a fire and he was so overwhelmed and everything was like overwhelmed. And then another one is D.L. Moody. He actually told God, he's like, look, you have to stop lest I die. He's like, this is so, you, you are so near and dear. The power is so overwhelming. I, I, he actually told God, like, please stop. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Um, and so there is an intimacy and nearness of God that is beyond even, even what happens at salvation that sends us out in a power that's like, I mean, yeah, like, and like I said, like, you just can't, you can't shut up. That's kind of the keynote of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You just, you can't shut up about God. You can't. Like, how could you? You know what I mean? And so that's, that's what the power does. And it's seen in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, it, it manifests itself in these gifts. Um, and so I'm not going to go into each of those. I, I mean, people may have questions about those, but I, that, could, that could be two hours long, so... <laughs> Yeah, he uh, mentioned D.L. Moody and Charles Finney. Their, um, their stories, actually, a condensed version, uh, are in a book called Deeper Experiences of Famous Christians. And I put a bibliography, uh, we can show it at the very end of, of books, about the Holy Spirit um, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit specifically. Um, but y- you don't have to put it up right now. It, uh, there it is. Okay. Um, but you can, like pull your phones out, take a picture of this. These are all books. Um, that talk about baptism in the Holy Spirit. Uh, some of them include like the gifts, um, what people's lives look like once they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Um, and the, I mean, these all of these are amazing. There's more. Those are just the ones I could think of. Um, and it's uh, Sean added one. The Bible is 10, not because it's the least important, but because I was like, well, I can't not put the Bible on here because it's literally where all this stuff came from. Um, but yeah, so it's crazy. Um, D.L. Moody, he was a pastor for years, and then two old ladies in his church were like, we're praying for you. And he was like, why are you praying for me? I'm the pastor. But anyways, long story short, he has this experience with God, basically the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, not basically. It is a baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, and then from then on, uh, his sermons didn't change necessarily. His personality didn't necessarily change. But um, whenever he preached, whenever he talked with people, more people got saved. And so there's no way to, like, scientifically, logically, mentally, like, say, you know, this equals that. It's just before he didn't have the baptism, and then after he did, and then more people got saved. And so it's just one of those supernatural things about um, when you obey God and, like, when he's moving in and through you um, that, yeah. So, like, the power aspect is, like, well... All I know is that my life looked like this, and then the baptism happened, and now it looks like this. Um, and that's, that's evidence, you know. There's no proof, but it's like, well, this is definitely some evidence that the Holy Spirit, baptism of the Holy Spirit, like, is changing something about the way that, like, the consequences from, like, my acts for him. Yeah. Next question. Yeah. Hi. Okay. <laughs> so my question is, is can you have spiritual gifts without being baptized in the Holy Spirit? 
think the answer is yes, but expand, please. I think I was told that the answer is yes, but I'm not sure. <laughs> I haven't really studied this much, so the only answer I have is that um, I think some people believe yes, some people believe no, so, and I don't know what I believe, so. <laughs> Pet peeve. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think uh, maybe a good way to say it is like, greater accessibility to spiritual gifts. I think you can have them, like, before. And again, I haven't done a lot of study on this. This is honestly mostly from experience, like what I've seen. Um, and uh, I think that, um, yeah, there's, there's this, like, uh, the way I had it described to me um, years ago was, like, you know, um, our communication with the Lord, like, kind of, um, like, like, there's kind of this, like, ceiling that we have. Um, in our own strength, like like pre-baptism of the Holy Spirit, um, kind of like what Sean was saying, like the disciples could have gone and made disciples and probably done a lot of successful things, but it it still wasn't as much as what they did do because they had received the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? So there was kind of like, there's like always going to be this like limit that we hit. And I think that that's, I think that that's true even with gifts of the Spirit. Um, I think like baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's like, it's like this happens. And now there's this like, um, yeah, it's just kind of like that. You're never gonna like hit this ceiling. That sounds weird, but um, but yeah, like I think I think the Lord just like it, it's kind of this opening up of like accessibility to spiritual gifts. Even I didn't say this earlier, but even um, even like um, fruit of the spirit too. There's like growth in that. Now we don't always see that um, when people get baptized in the Holy Spirit because you you actually have to like with anything um, when we walk with Jesus, we have to like. We have, to, we have to keep in it, right? We, uh, you know, Scripture says to keep being filled. Um, it's not just like a one-time thing, and all of a sudden I'm, like, all different. I never have to, like, do anything again, right? Like, we still have to keep choosing to walk in that, um, to, to continue to ask the Lord to fill us. We have to continue to be surrendered. So sometimes you'll see people have this amazing experience, and the next day or, you know, a month later, they're, you know, they're on a high, and then it's like, why are they, you know, yelling at this person or whatever? Um, and that does happen, but I think... Um, it's like like that capacity has been open, but what you do with that is still like your choice, you know? Um, and so so we have to choose to continue seeking the Lord and, and walking in humility and, and surrendering. And, um, and so, uh, yeah, so I, th I think that accessibility to the gifts of the Spirit and all that God could do through us, just like with anything else, um, also, yeah, power for witness, the fruit of the Spirit, all of those things just kind of like, like it's like opened up to where like like you can access more and more and more. Does that make sense? Um, so that's that's kind of again I haven't studied it a ton uh, like Christopher said, but that's from what I've seen and experienced. That's like been the case for me and and for others that I've seen. So hopefully that helps. I've studied a little bit. Uh, so one thing that's really cool if you look at the disciples before they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. So there was a point where Jesus sends them out, and he says, I send you out to cast out demons, to heal people, right? And so what is that? Healing is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Casting out demons has to do with discernment of spirits. 
But the thing that Jesus does before he sends them out is that he breathes on them. He breathes his spirit on them. Now, it's not a baptism in the Holy Spirit, but he's temporarily breathing his spirit on them and giving them the power to heal and to to see the spirits and to cast them out. But it's not the baptism. And so, even kind of as going as Katie, there are, and, and you see it in the Old Testament, it says the Holy Spirit came upon Samson, came upon David, came upon Saul, and he prophesied, and he did this, and he did this. But they weren't baptized, they weren't filled, and so it was always temporary. Whereas with the baptism, it's not temporary. Yes, there, I said we leak, but it's not a temporary thing. It's, it's like if you pour water in a cup, it's not a temporary thing. Yes, it, we, you can drink it, but it's not, it's not a temporary thing. Whereas with this, it was like you put it there, and it's only meant to last for a time, right? And so even with, with what happened when Jesus sent them out, he gave it for them for a moment, for a task, but it wasn't intended to be like with longevity. Whereas the baptism of the Holy Spirit is meant, as Katie said, it's continual, it's longstanding. It's continue. He doesn't say be filled once, but it, the 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 Greek is to be continually filled. Is what it, it's a continual verb, to be continually filled. Um, and so, yeah, ev- even as you look in the passages, Old Testament, New Testament, up until Pentecost, it was always a temporary thing. Even with the prophets, when they prophesied, it was a temporary task that God gave to them. Um, it was a special task that he gave to them. And so, yeah, I know with you, Mary, we've talked about it, like the Lord will give you a word of wisdom. There's a special role he gives to that. He temporarily gives, but it's kind of that aspect where it's like, Lord, I mean, how much, you know, the floodgates open. It's like, geez, you know what I mean? Like, I think about uh, Dick Schroeder. I don't know if some of you may know who he is. Brandon knows who he is. Dude, like, you walk around with him like, I mean, there's a story where God, God literally told him at an airport, go do a handstand or a headstand in front of that vending machine. And he was like, all right, God. And he went and did a head, headstand in front of a 7-Up vending machine. And this guy is like, oh, oh, oh like, and starts freaking out. And he's like, what are you doing? And he's like, I just obeying God. And he's like, I just prayed to God and was like, God, if you're real, then tell someone to do a headstand in front of that vending machine. <laughs> but this daily, I'm not exaggerating, this stuff happens on the daily with Dick Schroeder. Brandon spent a whole summer with him. It happens on the daily with this guy. I mean, it daily happens. Because the floodgates have opened, and he said, God, you know what I mean? And so that's like, there are temporary, and then there's daily. And so that, that's what I would say to that. Um, hi. Hi. <laughs> First off, I want to say, like, I have not, like, heard this stuff very much before. Like, I talked with Christopher about it, Fall Advanced, so... I thought you did a very clear job. Thanks for not deleting all of your stuff. <laughs> um, but my question is, like, how did you, like, personally, like, specifically know if you were, like, baptized in the Holy Spirit? Like, I know he said, like, what power did you get from it? But, like, did you 
feel different or like what specifically happened when you were? Okay, well, I'll go first real quick. Uh, so I was going through LTC uh, to be a small group leader and it was in April-ish time of 2012. Um, so I still was like learning about what the baptism of the Holy Spirit was. And it was a LTC retreat. We were supposed to only play like two worship songs. And then it turned into like 12 worship songs. And it was like, okay, this is cool. And it was probably like halfway through. And I was like, I could, I could still take you to the spot. And I was like laying on the ground. And I was just, pr- I wasn't even like, I wasn't, I didn't know how to ask for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I was just like, God, I just want more of you. I just want more of you. I just want more of you. And there was this moment where like, I mean, it, it, if I could steal the words of John Wesley, my heart was strangely warmed. And, but there was something really cool. And I think, is Logan here? I, yeah. But it was, we were just talking about like, it was this really weird thing and it wasn't scary but I couldn't talk. I like couldn't form words, and I was just like, and like, but I mean, it was the most intimate moment. I, I, I mean, it was the most intimate moment I've ever had with God. Like, he was so near, he was so real. I mean, my body wasn't convulsed. It wasn't anything weird like that. It was just, the Lord was so near, so real. It was the most intimate moment. I mean, I can, I, even as I think about it, I can still remember how near God was to me. And, and just thinking like, oh my, like this is different. And, and from that, I mean, I was like, I left that room like, I, I got to tell people about Jesus. I have to. Like, this small group thing is like, this is it. This is what I want to do with my life. I got to go tell people about Jesus. And I like wanted to bring people to small group, and I wasn't even leading yet. Um, but then about seven months later, I started, like, questioning, okay, did I even get baptized? And, like, something came up, and the devil started throwing seeds of discord and doubt in my mind. And so at the World Mission Summit 3, I finally just went up to a buddy of mine, uh, Christopher Scroggins, and I was just like, man, like, I'm so confused. Did I, did I get baptized in the Holy Spirit? And he just was like, okay, man, like, everything, I mean, I, I believe you did, but let's just ask God for confirmation. Let's just ask him to, like, give you peace. And he's like, I'm going to pray for you to speak in tongues. You know, you never spoke in tongues. And we were, like, talking about that. And it was like, you know, he's like, you didn't speak in tongues then, but that doesn't mean you weren't baptized. Like, I believe you were, but let's just pray for that. Because in the Bible, you know, that was what, what the most common thing that happened was they spoke in tongues. Let's just pray you speak in tongues. The Lord gives you a prayer language. And, like, five minutes later, I was, like, speaking in tongues. And it was, I mean, that, that was kind of just my experience. And so I've never, there's a, we don't, if someone wants to ask that question, we can talk about it. There's a difference between a prayer language and the gift of corporate tongues. There is a distinction between those two. Paul talks about that. So I've never spoken in tongues in a corporate setting, which would be, like, in a church. Because that, Paul says, there always needs to be an interpreter. But the, the prayer language as seen as, like, the physical evidence, um, a prayer language that, you know, I mean, I go upstairs before I preach, and I spend some time just me and Jesus, and I pray in a prayer language that my mind doesn't understand, but the Spirit understands, you know what I mean? And so that I received in 2013, I guess, technically, 2012, no, 2012, um, but just the Lord saying, hey, what happened at that LTC retreat, that was real. And this is just me saying, hey, yes, that was real. 
And and so that was for me. That was that was my experience. But so mine, I grew up in Presbyterian Church, and I'll give you the condensed version of my story. Uh, most people want condensed version of everything I say. Um, but I, my small group leader was baptized in the Holy Spirit when he was six at a Christian camp, and the Lord had used him prophecy, a uh, ton of different gifts. Um, so when I met him, uh, it was three weeks into school, my freshman year, September 24th, 2008. I'm old. I'm be 29 in April. Uh, and so uh, three weeks into school, I had gone to church with him to an AG church in Huntsville. Um, long story short, there was uh, like crazy gifts happening like in the church. And then uh, lunch was like another thing happened. And then there were two prayer meetings, Monday, Tuesday. I went to the one Tuesday. Um, there was like, it was like me, Josh, and a few other small group guys and a couple small group guys as well, or small group leaders and then a couple small group guys. Um, and a few of the guys, small group leaders, were like praying in tongues, like kind of under their breaths, like to themselves, not trying to like make a big commotion or anything, um, just like their personal prayer language like Sean was talking about. And I kind of, sa- I sat in the room and like I remember having this thought like, like not like feeling like outcast but definitely feeling like I was on the outside, quote, um, knowing that there was something, feeling like there was something I was missing, not like they had pushed me to the outside, but knowing that I wanted what they had, basically. Um, and so uh, there was, uh, it was, it was crazy. That year was so crazy. Like, revival happened at Sam Houston State, and it was amazing. Um, but the next night, Wednesday, there was a prayer meeting on campus, um, guys and girls together on, um, right next to this fountain in the middle of this campus. Um, and so there was a point in the prayer meeting where I like knew I wanted the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I just went up to Josh and I was like, hey, man, would you pray with me to receive the baptism? Um, and he did. And probably within 30 seconds, uh, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, um, started uh, praying in tongues. Um, and so I like I pretty much had no question as to whether or not I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. So there was like the tongues and then there was. Um, I was talking to Jeff uh, the other day about it. Just if uh, so, the Holy Spirit, He's He's personal, um, and so He's going to minister to you um, personally. Um, and so, any like fear that we have about like, oh, is God going to completely change me into this like like I'm extroverted? I probably would never want to be introverted. No offense, I just like being extroverted, right? Because that's me and that's how God made me. Um, so he's not going to turn me into an introvert, you know, like he's not going to like make me, I don't know, just change my personality. Sorry, Katie. Um, and, uh, so if you've seen me, like, you know, that I'm very like eccentric, you know, like kind of all over the place. Timmy has a good impersonation the first time he met me. Um, but yeah, so like basically all I can, like the best word to explain, like the feeling I had was like surging electricity um and it like like adrenaline i was like so much energy and that's that's like in line with like my personality you know um and so so yeah that was like i guess you could say the feeling that i had you know it was a feeling because we're humans and god relates to us as people you know because he's a person and we have emotions and so so, yeah, that was my experience. And then Josh, I asked him one time, like, what was my, like, did I, like, talk about Jesus more after that? This was, like, a few years later. He was like, dude, you just, like, 
wouldn't shut up. You, like, always wanted to be around me, ask me questions, and, like, you were super hungry. And I was like, well, it's, it probably wasn't like that before, you know. Um, so, yeah, that was a change, too, that Josh told me about as well. That's so cool. I love hearing people's stories. It, uh, yeah, what you said at the end is exactly the case for me, too. Not what you experienced, but God is so personal, and it's so cool. Um, I when when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I'll just say this. It's like, you'll just know. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, there's like questions, but I think it's, it's like something, it's like something you can't shake. It's even if you're like unsure about a certain aspects or like, it's just something that you're like, that, that was special. Like that was different. Um, in a good way, and um, so for me, it was like kind of a longer uh, like process. Um, I I was like really I'm a church kid, grew up Baptist. Holy Spirit was definitely not talked about um, hardly at all outside of like baptism, you know, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, but uh, full immersion, okay, um, no sprinkling. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, anyways, uh, so, yeah, so, like, all during college, I mean, I knew about it. Actually, when I became a small group leader, there was, like, a little thing um, I had to, like, fill out at the end of um, the leadership training class, and it was, like, you know, do you believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And I was, like, uh, I don't think so. I don't know. <laughs> and they still let me lead a small group. So it was really cool. They, like, really loved like, I felt like I was, like, loved through it, never pressured, never, like, it was just, um, like, as time went on, I, like, began to realize, okay, like, I, I, I know that I need this, but I, like, didn't really want it yet, and the reason was because I was really scared, um, and I didn't realize that until the night that I, I received um, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I, w- I went up to the front. It was at basically winter retreat, which we're going to tomorrow is cool. Um, it's a special time. So I was at a winter retreat. Um, you know, they kind of made the call, like, hey, if you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, like, come to the front. And I was, like, terrified because I, you know, I just hate, like, oh, what are they going to think of me? Like, you know, and so I was like, okay, I'm going to go to the front. And at this point, too, I think I was uh, I was in my senior year. Yeah. And so I'd been in Chi Alpha for a while. Like, that's awkward because you're like, these people probably think that. I, you know, you just, like, think all these stupid thoughts. Like, I've been a small group leader for two years. And I don't, you know, blah, blah, just dumb stuff. So anyway, so I'm like, okay, I'm just going to get it over myself. And I, like, went to the front. And then one of my good friends came up and totally, like, made me feel way more, like, it was awesome. She, uh, her name is Hannah, um, and she came up and she just started praying for me, and um, I like began to realize that I was so, um, I was like afraid that Jesus was gonna like somehow like change, um, that all of a sudden, yeah, that I would like lose control of my body, and you know, because you know, yeah, you're like, am I gonna get slain in the spirit, or you know, like I was just like so terrified um, of like what was gonna happen, like. I was going to enter this, like, alternate universe or something, you know? Like, I was just so, like, scared, and I was like, Jesus, are you going to change? And um, and I just remember the Lord was just like, Katie, like, I am, like, the same Jesus that you've known all your life. Like, I'm just going to, I just want to give you more of me. Like, I'm not going to change. Like, I'm the same. Like, will you just look to me? And so I remember, I remember, um, you know, my friend Hannah just saying, like, Katie, just, just fix your eyes on Jesus, 
and just pray, you know. And um, so I just started, yeah, just praying, singing. Um, and then I started singing in tongues, uh, which is so cool because if you know me, I like to sing. Um, and so it was really sweet because in that moment I was like, this has to be the Lord. You know what I mean? Like it was just one of those special, like it was a gift. It really was. It's so cool to hear like everyone's stories so unique and so very much like a special gift from the Lord to like you. You know what I mean? Like like your experience is going to be totally different from any of ours because God knows you and who you are and what you need and what's going to like like make it to where you know that it's like from him. You know what I mean? Like when you give a special gift to somebody, you know, like like people usually know if I've given them a gift because I really like things to look nice, and so it's usually going to be, like, the nicest, you know, wrapped, like, everything, you know, but I like to do that, because that's, like, you know, like, I, I know people, and um, and so, like, typically, like, you know, you know it's, like, from from the Lord, you know, because he knows you, and he's going to make it special for you, so, um, so that was, like, really cool, and I think after that, um, for me, it's crazy, because I was actually just thinking about this, I never really realized that, um, honestly, I, I yeah, I don't know if I'd be here if uh, if it wasn't for the baptism of the Holy Spirit because I, I realize now that I think it was like two months later um, I went on my first mission trip here and God began kind of like a journey um, to, uh, yeah, changing like the entire trajectory of my life. It was around that time that God began to speak like ministry into my heart and um, that was not what I had planned. And so, yeah, it's pretty cool. Like now I'm here and I don't know if I ever would have said yes to that. I think I would have been too scared. Um, and so thank you, Jesus. So God can do big things, but yeah, that's my story. That's really cool. All right. We have time for two more questions. So Abby, raise your hand really fast. So. so this is a pretty specific question, um, but I've had it for a while. And so I wanted to ask you guys. So I know there's the um, the gift of corporate tongues, but there's like, I, I didn't grow up in a church where um, people, like that was a practice that people did. So how does one practice that gift as like, as it should be practiced without like chaos or confusion? Like how does that go down if the Lord would ever call us to that? Well, guys, this is a fun one. Bye, friends. Um, Paul gives a lot of really clear instruction uh, on this. You know, he, he gives some clear instruction on, like, you know, no more than three times. Uh, he talks about there has to always be an interpreter. That one's kind of weird because it's like, well, how do I know if there's an interpreter? You know, like... I don't know, you know, I'm like, how do you know if someone has the gift of interpretation if, uh, you know, like, so there's that, that's a little, like, um, that's a little uh, interesting, um, so the the church that, I think, did you go to First AG? Yeah, so all three of us went to a church uh, in Huntsville where there was uh, a one lady who typically, most Sundays, would um, very loudly speak in tongues, corporate tongues, uh, so the first time I ever heard it, I was like, what the heck is going on? Holy crap. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Anyways, I was like, what the heck is going Like, this is so <laughs> odd. Uh, and I was baffled, and then someone else started interpreting. Um, and so, um, 
you know, I think the, the first thing is really looking at Paul's uh, instructions that, you know, there has to be structure to it and order to it. Um, I know one thing, this, maybe this is a personal conviction of mine. Um, I won't say outright um, who does it, uh, but I personally, um, so these two can disagree with me, I personally am against uh, in large settings where someone on the front of the stage says, everyone pray out in your prayer language. Uh, I am very against that, and a personal aspect, because I believe that breeds a ton of confusion. Um, I understand there's the gift of tongues corporately in a prayer language, but when you say pray out in your prayer language, everyone's talking in tongues, and there's no one interpreting. And Paul says it doesn't do any benefit. He even talking about his prayer language, he says, I don't even understand it. He says, I pray in tongues more than all of you, but I don't understand it. And he says, it's better to just keep quiet. And he says, but it's more beneficial to speak five words intelligibly than 10,000 words in tongues, right? And he says, do that alone. Do that between you and God. And so I don't think it's beneficial, you know. And so Christopher talked about, you know, I heard my small group leader, for the first time I ever heard tongues, my small group leader was praying under his breath in the aisle. He wasn't trying to be loud enough where I could hear I was just nosy, and I was like, what's he praying? You know, I was like, that's not English. And then I, like, <laughs> leaned back, you know, and I was like, maybe he just knows another language. And then I realized after the fact it was tongues. But that, I don't think he was wrong. I was just being nosy. But if he was sitting there yelling out, you know, should have bought a Hana but a Mitsubishi, and that's my made-up, you know, tongues language that I, anyways, that was probably bad too. But... If he was doing that just because, I, I personally believe he would be disobeying the biblical standard for tongues. And, that, and that's just in the prayer language, let alone the gift of corporate tongues. And so I, I think Paul in 1 Corinthians 14, that's where you find what Paul lays it out pretty clearly. Um, and so there is a kind of aspect where it's like, with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you just kind of, like, there's a learning curve. The same way, like, you play tennis, you, how do you learn to play tennis? You just go out and you start swinging a racket. You know what I mean? So, like, God has grace with, like, the gift of knowledge. Hey, I believe the Lord gave me this word of knowledge. I've gone up to people. I believe the Lord gifted me with, the word of knowledge, with words of knowledge, words of prophecy. I've gone up to people and said, I believe the Lord's speaking this. And they're like, yeah, that's not me. That, that's not, I'm like, Okay. And then I go to the Lord and I say, Lord, that wasn't you. I'm sorry. It doesn't mean I quit. I just go again. So I've been in churches where people have spoken in tongues, and then it's just like dead quiet. And then, it, then the pastor gets up, and they say from the front, okay, that wasn't, you know, you're not, they don't shame the person. They say that wasn't from the Lord. You know what I mean? And, and so it's clear that that was, just wasn't. And then they just kind of clarify. And then also the pastor does a good job of, if it was from the Lord and someone interprets, they usually just say, hey, this is what it was if you weren't sure. Um, and, th and I've also known, it was really cool, this was years ago, their same pastor at that church, there was a fourth person that tried to go and speak in tongues, and he went, and he got, and he said, stop. And she kept trying to go, and he said, stop. You are disobeying the commands of the Bible. The Bible says only three. You need to stop. And she kept trying to go, and they escorted her out. And it was it was. They say it was kind of wild, but it was like, look, 
the Bible says you don't do this. And so um, I, think, I think Paul's words are inspired by the Holy Spirit, and we just trust those. Uh, it's okay if we make some mistakes. We just, again, submit to the Lordship of Christ in that. So good question. Odd, peculiar stuff, foreign to me, but as I've studied and seen it, that's what I've come to believe. Yeah, I'd say, too, that, like, I mean, just think the first time, uh, like, when you got saved, like, the first time you tried to share your faith with someone you knew wasn't a Christian, you might have said, like, hey, uh, you need to know Jesus. <laughs> and they're like, I don't care about Jesus. It's like, oh, man. And, like, you walk <laughs> away, and it's like, but, like, you know, you, you get better at it. So, you know, so even, like, sharing your faith or, like, other things, you know, our walk with God is a walk with God to where like we learn how to do things with him um, and so I've actually never seen what Sean said about like the corporate tongues and the no interpretation and then the pastor saying this wasn't from God uh, I will say though that like because there are two different gifts and the Lord will generally use two different people uh, to do the first one and then the interpretation um, it's an act of obedience to stand up and share a message in tongues to the whole church body. Like, you feel a stirring inside of you, and then you say, okay, I think this is from the Lord. Well, if an interpretation doesn't follow, that's not necessarily meaning that you were disobedient or out of line. That might have meant, that might mean that someone else was given an interpretation, but they were afraid to share um, as well. And so I don't think that it's like exclusively either one of those, um, but because it is an act of faith and an act of obedience, um, and it takes two people to do that, um, then you could be obedient and someone else may not have. Um, and so, yeah, it's like you just, you learn. I mean, like if babies, when they're learning how to walk and talk and eat, they're just messy, you know. And so anytime we're learning a new skill or, you know, like part of our faith, it's probably going to be a little messy. And that's okay, you know, because God's gracious. Um, I'll just say something really quick, too, I think, um what comes after 1 Corinthians 12? Yes. Anyone know what that chapter is about? Yes. Love, right? And it says, um, eagerly desire the greater gifts. That's the end of 12. And yet I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Um, I think, um, how do I word this well? Uh, we do live uh, in a different world today um, than than even who's p- who Paul is like talking to, um, and just like the very first question, it's it's not as normal in the church today, and that's a big bummer. <laughs> like I wish it was, you know. Um, but love chooses like the highest good right of someone else um, and is unselfish, and so I think um, asking God for wisdom with every spiritual gift um, that, yeah, that it's always done in love and that there's um, like a, a recognition of, of like, like your audience, you know what I mean? Like, like basically what I'm trying to say is, um, yeah, for, for you to stand up in the middle of like, let's say you went to visit a church or something, you just stand up in the middle and, and do, you know, a, um, you know, a word in tongues or, or even a word of prophecy or something like, um, it may not be received very well depending on the church or depending on the people or like maybe it's like, yeah, oh my gosh, I've never even heard of speaking in tongues. You know what I mean? So it's always, always want to have like 
like love is always our filter, you know. Um, and and Paul does say, you know, um, I'd rather you speak prophecies because it's in a language they can understand. And so we have someone walk in the room and they're hearing, you know, tongues. It's like, whoa. But if you're speaking, a, uh, you know, a word of encouragement, of prophecy, you know, um, a word that's fitting for the body, then then that can be understood. And so Paul says, you know, I would love for you all to speak in tongues, but I, I want you even more than that. I want, you know, gifts of prophecy. Um, and so I think like, like knowing our culture and knowing like where we are and who we're who we're talking to, I think it, we just have to have wisdom. You know what I mean? Like, um, I'm not afraid to s- to speak in tongues when I'm praying over somebody. You know, but I also I just want to ask God for wisdom. You know, um, you know wherever I am, and and that that whatever I'm doing is for the edification of God's church, um, and that it's out of love, and that it's like it's building up the body, not tearing down. You know, because it's bringing you know fear or like whoa, I don't understand this, or, you know what I mean? Um, it's never about us, and so, want to be obedient, you know, obviously, but, and, and then the, the other thing I was going to say is, uh, yeah, like Christopher said, it, you, you practice these things, you walk it out with the Lord, and um, I think a gr- the best place to practice spiritual gifts is, like, with your friends, and, and in community, in, in smaller communities, you know, before you, you know, give up, get up, and, and maybe give a word, you know, in front of the whole body, um, yeah, ask God to, to give you, you know, the gift of prophecy or word of knowledge or something for your friends, for your small group, you know what I mean? And in those safe places where someone that loves you can say, ah, that was, that was like kind of off, you know? Um, I've had people tell me that, like I've had, you know, I've had like a word that I was like, I'm going to try this. I don't know if this is right. And they're like, no, you know, I'm like, okay, good to know, you know, and so you're just, you're, you're practicing those things and, and figuring it out, and, and there's no safer place than in, in a, like, a loving, like, community, you know, so, so your friends that are, like, closest to you that can kind of help you walk through that, and so hopefully that makes sense as far as, like, yeah, so before you get to that point, you know, that you're, you're practicing that gift in a safe place, um, and then also that everything is, like, done in love and, and with, like, wisdom and understanding of where you are and, and who's there. And, you know, we don't want to be afraid, but we also want to be wise. So that makes sense. All right. This will be the last question. Hey, I'm, I'm Trey. Um, and so my question is, is what... Like when when I when I was baptized in the spirit, I didn't know what it was. I didn't find out what happened until a year and a half later. You know, Romans says for salvation, you know, believe in your heart, Jesus is Lord, confess with mouth, God raised him from the dead. It's you know, it's right there. You know, in and, and baptism isn't something that it seems like you have to ask for or or know what it is to receive it. So what do you need to receive it? Um, so there's, uh, in the book of Acts, four different places, chapter two, eight, 10, and 19, um, four different stories where, um, it says they were believers and then, uh, they prayed to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, and that happened. And so, um, from my knowledge, all the things that I've read about the baptism of the Holy Spirit is, um, like what Sean was saying earlier, like this is the the promise of the Father, the promised gift 
of the Father. Um, it even talks about it in the Old Testament um, that one day um, referring to Jesus and, you know, basically this day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 um, when the believers were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Um, there's multiple occasions where it talks about um, this promised gift. Um, and the only requirement, and Sean or Katie can correct me, that I'm aware of um, at least in terms of spiritual standing, is is that you're saved um, because it is for all believers. The Bible is very clear about that. You don't have to be a pastor, missionary, small group leader. You know, um, you don't have to be of a, of a certain race or a certain, you know, denomination in the church or anything like live anywhere. Like the, the same baptism of Holy Spirit that I received 10 and a half years ago is the same one that people, you know, in Africa receive and the same one that people in China and the same one that people, you know, today have received. I was in Texas, you know, people receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit here all over the world. Same Jesus, same God, same baptism. Um, and it looks different because we're different people. Um, but it's for all believers. And so if it's for all believers, then you got to be saved. And just like Sean was talking about earlier, um, there's a willingness and, and a humility and, you know, like to say, okay, God, you're Lord of my life, you know. And, and so, you know, I don't, I don't want to go into the, you know, the attitude portion of it or, you know, like the um, <laughs> certain prayer that you have to say or anything like that because I don't even know. Uh, yeah, I've just some of the things I've seen as being like helpful and true to, you know, receive it. Um, but as far as I'm concerned, like, as far as I know, I, I'm pretty sure you just have to be saved and <laughs> the Lord will give it to you if you want it. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just affirm that. And then I don't know if Katie has anything to say, but I'll give a closing remark. But Jeff, if you could put up the slide with the five cases. Um, so Pentecost, obviously these guys, and just, just to kind of look at a couple different cases, they were they lived with Jesus for three years, right? And and they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They they were saved. They had walked with Jesus for years, right? And then the case with Simon the sorcerer, he wasn't the one that was baptized. It was a group of people that, as Christopher said, they were already believers. We don't know a ton about them. Uh, the Ephesian believers down in Acts 19, they had only known about the baptism of water. Um, and so they, they were believers, of Jesus, but they they had only known a little bit about Jesus, right? But even with what little they knew, they still believed in him and they received. So you got some people who knew a little bit about Jesus. You knew some people who knew a ton about Jesus. You got some people we don't know much about. You got Cornelius and his household, who was a God-fearing Jew, who was considered right. So you got a guy that is borderline pagan. Right, he's he's a Jew. He's not. Uh, he he he's. He, yeah, he. Uh, sorry, he's a Gentile. I'm sorry, he's not a he's not a Jew. He's a Gentile. He so his case is interesting. He's honored by the Jews, but he's not even in the Jewish religion. So he's like outside of the Jewish faith. But he's considered a believer. He believes in Jesus. He's saved. And then you got Saul, the dude who's murdering Christians. So you got people on this like vast spectrum, but as, as Christopher said, all of them, what was their one thing in common? They believed in Jesus. They were believers, right? And I, and I agree with Christopher. That I, I think that is the one thing 
I don't think you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit without believing and being saved. Um, yeah, and then, again, like, lordship, that, I mean, that's what salvation is. Salvation is Lord Jesus, your Lord. You know what I mean? And so I think baptism in the Holy Spirit is the same thing. It's lordship, but it falls into the same category with salvation. So you have to be saved before you can be baptized. It could happen, I mean, you could get saved, and 30 seconds later, you could be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You know what I mean? Or it could be the disciples three years later, some friends of mine five years later. You know what I mean? It could be things like that, or it could be 30 seconds. But salvation, I agree with Christopher. If there was any one thing, yeah, I think that's the only. I mean, you could argue some other prerequisites, but I, I think we, we, we'd safe to just stick with that. And so just for some closing remarks, I mean, we love you guys. Thank you guys for sticking around. Y'all are awesome. Heart. Uh, I would encourage you all, like, if you all have more questions, you can email us uh, either just on the website. Come find us. Grab our emails. No, excuse me. If you're going to Winter Retreat, all of us are going to be at Winter Retreat, so you can come bother us there. You can bother us after Chi Alpha's. All sorts of stuff. There's a lot of ways to ask questions. We know you all still have more, but we love you guys. We care about you all. And, again, thank you all for sticking around. Um, at least I know for myself, I appreciate people who love to learn and grow and are humble enough to, uh, yeah, have questions. So love you all, and have a good night.